Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. When I started the sermon, I was hoping to get through the rest of the chapter uh, in one sermon, and that wasn't going to work. And that's probably why we're only in chapter 6, halfway through, and part 18. But uh, it ended up too long, and it would even be long for some of you diehards out there. And so um, I had it divided into two sections and one section for next week. Uh, while I was serving in, uh, as a student staff member with Campus Crusade out in Colorado, at Colorado State University, they, uh, Campus Crusade would rent their facilities for the summer, and they held something called IBS, which is Institute of Biblical Studies. And while I was there, something surprised me as I was walking uh, across the campus, because they kind of basically took over the campus. On one of the telephone poles, there was this there was a sign that said, 100 black slaves wanted. And it looked like it said, Campus Crusade for Christ at the bottom. And I thought, is this kind of some kind of a sick joke? Um, is this an enemy of Campus Crusade? It would never be this insensitive. This is outrageous. And so as I got closer, I, I was able to see the whole thing. And it said, 100 black slaves wanted uh, to join 100 white slaves of Jesus Christ to reach a lost world for him. And it was Campus Crusade's PR department that actually extended this offer to Afro-American Christian graduates because they were starting a, a, a inner city outreach. And it was just their creative way of saying, hey, we are slaves of Christ, join us. We don't care uh, what the color of your skin is. And so, but all in all, it kind of took me off guard that we are slaves of Christ. And, and as a new Christian, I was only a Christian for about a year and a half at that point. Um, I was asking a lot of questions about that. Uh, what is, what is this all about? Well, as a new Christian, no one had pointed out to me that we in fact are slaves either to the Lord or to the ruler of this world. And uh, slavery is a term that we have grown to hate in America. And rightfully so. It's, it's part of an, uh, an ugly part of our history. Uh, the whole mindset of human beings being bought and sold as if they were animals or property is demeaning and intolerable, intolerable I would say, in this day and age of, for God's people. However, we must understand that when we accepted Christ, we were released as slaves of sin and Satan. However, we are now slaves of righteousness and God. And you might, you might want to say, well, I don't want to be anybody's slave. Well, when you hear the kind of master that Jesus is, and when you see the benefits package, you're going to want to serve him all the more. Many who come to faith in Christ, um, they understand you know, the reward of heaven, but they forget there is a transfer of service. And so I say this today, putting your faith in Jesus frees you from slavery to sin and Satan, enabling you 
now to serve God alone. And so, when you think of slavery, what is slavery? Well, I just went online and Carta Dictionary states slavery as a state of being completely dominated by another. It's a good, it's a good uh, definition. You know, Satan is so subtle in his do- dominance. There are people even today who are being dominated by sin and Satan. They don't realize they're being dominated. They don't realize they're being enslaved until they try to come away from it. One who is not a believer tries to come away from Satan's dominion and bang, they are right back in his control. And it kind of reminds me, I used this illustration before, but it just reminds me of, of that electric fence I, I set up for our, our dog, old Breezy. Um, Breezy was a wanderer in our neighborhood, and we had to keep him on a leash. And that leash wrapped around Linda's leg one time and tripped her and gave her a big scar. And we were like, we, I don't know what to do. And so we heard about this electric fence, and it was a sad day for Breezy when, when this thing was installed. And as a good American male, I threw the pamphlet away that taught you how to use this. And so I buried the, uh, the, the wire under the ground in the perimeter that Breezy was to stay inside. And I put the little white flags up. But I didn't realize that that was part of the training. Then you take the, the animal to the white flags and you yank it back and you tell him this is no, no, no until he learns the perimeter. Instead, I buried it, buried the line, turned the thing on, put a leash on Breezy, brought her out, and uh, dragged her to the white flags. And while she got shocked, I thought that was, her. you'll know better not to do any of this. Well, day two, Breezy wouldn't come out of the house. <laughs> so it kind of worked, and I'm sure I'll get some letters if anybody listens to this online, too. Um, it wasn't intentional, uh, and I, I, I took no glory in it. Um, but that was that was sad. But, but Breezy eventually came out, and she's happy as a lark, the dumb dog. But she, she, I mean, for nine years, she just was like everywhere and just enjoying her perimeter until she would see a cat or a rabbit, and then she would, like, sacrifice it. You know, I'm going to get shocked, and, you know, she's getting zapped like crazy and um, and uh, would would do that. But that's... It's interesting that she would test her limits until she would go so far and say, okay, I'm going to get shocked for doing this, being disobedient. You know, it's interesting. People who have not yet accepted Christ, they're not aware of the consequences of sin. They never saw it coming. They, They ignore the warning, and all of a sudden there is a consequence to sin, and it zaps you. Uh, some think, well, I'm just free to do any drug that I want to, and then zap. Uh, or uh, to have immoral sex, and then zap. Or to eat and drink anything you want, as long as you want. And it might take a little longer, but you get zapped. And the zaps come in many different ways. In fact, they come in as many ways as there are sins. There are consequences. But Jesus came to set the captives free that we might be able to walk away from that captive, uh, that ensnaring captive feeling that we have, uh, that sin draws us in and then zaps us. He wants us to be truly free. It's not like he's setting up an, invis- an invisible fence for us. 
there, are, there is no negative consequences when you come away from sinful behavior, but there's blessings instead. This might be one of the most perplexing truths of Christianity, that we are free in Christ, and yet we are slaves to righteousness, and we love it. <laughs> this morning, I, I wish to share with you why it is so awesome to serve the Lord, and perhaps I'll be in the company of many happy slaves, black or white, it doesn't matter to me. But I think we have to realize, and, and, and I'm going to spend some time this morning on this side of understanding this portion of Scripture, and that is that we are slaves indeed to sin prior to Christ, and what, and what it involves coming away from that. Um, today I wish to speak uh, on what it means to get rid of that old master, and, and, and understand that that old master is behind us and what it takes uh, to now follow Christ. And next week we're going to look at what it means to be a slave of righteousness and all the benefits that come along with this great exchange. And so this is, this is what we are freed from. By God's grace, the one who serves him uh, does not let sin roll in their life any longer. We do not let sin roll in our lives any longer. And Romans chapter 6 speaks about this. In fact, in the portion of Scripture that we're going to look at today, um, verses 12 through 18, there are three different expressions of sin's hold on us or sin's control over us. And this is what we are freed from. And so we need to understand that sin no longer reigns in our bodies. It does not reign. Um, Verse 12 says that, therefore do not let sin reign. Some of your versions may say something else there. Does not let, let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. What an awesome word to describe sin. In the Greek, it is that basilio, and it's from the root word basilias, which means king. You do not want to let sin be king in your life any longer. The thing about kings is kings doesn't give you any choice. Kings are demanding. They, they say it. And that's the way it is. And at one time, before your salvation, sin was king. And how, would, how is that to live with a king? How is it to live with that king with you all day long? And even when you want to make a good decision, the king overrules you and says, no, you're going to do this instead. And that might sound ridiculous. You might say, well, uh, is that really what sin does? And, and, and does it really control my life? Well, yes, it reigns in your life. You see, there's a progression of sin here. At first, you honor sin like it would, like it was a king. Uh, it looks attractive. It it commands your respect. Uh, you do what you're told, and you are led by desire, and so sin is king, and, and you kind of like him. Next, sin becomes something that no longer has to command you. You actually adore it, and it masters you, and you become a willing servant. And so, secondly... If you're not letting sin rule in your life, you will not let it master you. Verse 14, and I'll put it up here. 
For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. And that word master there is the same word for Lord. But at this point, you've gone from something commanding you to a voluntary submission to sin. A voluntary submission to sin. And so we treat sin as a Lord in our lives when we're not under the control of the Holy Spirit. We honor it, we obey it, we even worship it. And it sounds strange that you would allow sin to be Lord over you, but when you think about it, how would you treat a Lord? Well, you would respect a Lord, you would worship a Lord, you would adore a Lord. Desire gets out of control and it leads people to all kinds of addictions and desires and really just poor decisions with consequences over and over again. I'm going to pick on one area this morning. It's it's the inappropriate stewardship of money that God has given us in the form of gambling. It's it's just one of the up-and-coming, um, not up-and-coming, it's been around as long as the ages, but, but I don't know if you've noticed the online stuff and the uh, phone apps. Uh, we were watching some program the other day, a sports program, a basketball game, Linda and I, and there was a, every, she said every commercial was about some sort of online gambling that you do on your phone. And uh, so there's this uptick of, of sports gambling and gambling and gambling, gambling over and over again. And it's and people say, well, you know, where does this say thou shalt not gamble? Well, there's a lot of places about God's stewardship and about our stewardship of God's money and and our reliance on him and, you know, not on his chance stuff. There's a there's a ton of scriptures to support this. But typically the, these commercials come on and they target uh, stupid men. And the way they do it, you know, there's some sexy lady with some sort of hoarse voice or something appealing, I guess, to someone who is playing, uh, you know, with money that they can lose because it's like, the, I don't know what the chances are, a million to one or higher or something. And so they throw these extra points at you. Here's some extra cash to get started. Here's, here's how you can win double your money. There's casinos. They, they give you free rooms, right? Come and stay with us. Get out of Dodge, you know. And it's, why would they give you a free room? Well, it's because they make their money back hundreds of times over. And uh, people are drawn to it. Uh, and so it traps people. Uh, and it's like any other sin. But there's always a zap at the end. I remember uh, one time I was writing a sermon, and I came here, and there was something going on. They were cleaning the carpets or something. So I went over to King's Restaurant when there was a King's Restaurant in Cranberry. And I was I had all my stuff spread out in a booth over there. And, and uh, yeah, I ordered food. And, um, and so I was legit. But the waitress came over and she said, are you a pastor? I was like, what gave it away? Like, um, I had my laptop and my Bible and all my notes spread out. And she sat down and she said, I was like, okay, you joining me? Uh, she said, well, I want to talk to you about something. And it was a gambling problem that she had. She said, a year ago, I won a thousand dollars at a, at one of these Catholic street fairs. That same week, she had something called a scratch-off, whatever, and she won $2,500. And one week, she said, I won $3,500. And a friend of mine told me, you must be really lucky. And so you should go to the casinos. Man, you could really clean up. And, uh, and she did. 
she got to a point where she was so addicted to going back to the casino, hoping, hoping, hoping to win back her money. She lost her home. She lost her husband. She lost her family. And she was uh, devastated. And it was late in the game. And that's the zap. <laughs> and... Uh, and so I pointed her in some directions of some ways to come away from that, um, attempted to share Christ with her, but she wasn't ready. <laughs> and so I could pick on any, any uh, area of sin. I just happened to pick, up, pick on one a poor stewardship of our Lord's money, but there are many areas of sin that uh, we get stuck in. And in some areas of sin, we dress up, we sophisticate sin, we cater to sin, we, we put it on a pedestal, and we defend it as people challenge us. Is it really right to do what you're doing? Uh, and in our minds, sin is Lord. It's, it's, it's something that we protect greatly. If Jesus is not king of your life, then sin is king. Sin is Lord. And finally, sin is a slave master. Sin is a slave master. Look at verse 16. Do you not know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Now, that might be one of the most simplistic statements in Scripture. Um, it's not one you have to think too deeply on, but, the, but this is what sin does to you. It gets you to a point where you're actually very stupid. And, and the Apostle Paul knows that. And this is, this is the way he puts it. Do you not know when you yourselves offer yourselves to someone to obey as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. This is the side of sin that is hidden at first. Sin starts out as a friend, just just egging you on to do some wrong things. But as time goes by, sin day by day becomes more of a slave master. Some people wait so long in that process, it's hard to get help. It's hard to dig themselves out. I see people all the time, and they just have that lost, gloss-over look in their eyes, and like, Pastor, can you help me get rid of this sin? Can you help me get out of this area? It's taken over my whole life. I'm losing everything. As a slave master, sin controls us. And it's as if you have no choice. Why do people wait so long? Well, it's an amazing thing, but people hate to admit that they're enslaved. And so they try to cover up the slave master. They try to protect it. It's not really there. I, I, I want to live like this. Uh, I, I could leave this sin anytime I want. I don't think there's anything wrong in what I'm doing. That's all those expressions that come out and then they regret later. But this whole portion of Scripture begs a question, and it's this, who are you obeying? Because the answer to that question tells you who the king is in your life, who the master is of your life. If it's not Jesus, it's sin. It's, it's the tempter. It's the evil one of this world. I, I know I've shared this story before, but it's a great allegory, and I'm not going to read the whole story as I did last night, and there are some people with glazed looks over their, in their eyes. 
And so David and Karen Maines, they, they wrote a group of books called The Tales of the Kingdom. And story number three is the Princess Amanda and the Dragon. And Princess Amanda is just one of the characters that they use. And Amanda is, is like many of the char- characters in Tales of the Kingdom. Uh, it's, it's, she seems real enough to remind us of ourselves. And so the, the caregiver, the, the, the caretaker, excuse me, um, warns the people of the kingdom not to collect any of the dragon eggs that appear in the spring uh, for obvious reasons. A dragonette will soon hatch from that egg, and while it appears fairly cute and cuddly at first, after six months, it turns into a full-grown monster with rock-hard scales and fiery breath. And so Amanda finds an egg and decides to keep it. Just one egg. I'm just going to keep it for a little while and I'm going to turn it in. Because they were supposed to turn it into the caretaker for disposal. And so Amanda, she's kind of torn. She keeps it so long that it begins to crack open and there's this little cute dragonette. And so she knows what she's supposed to do, but she can't resist playing with this newborn reptile for a while. And as it turns out, this cute creature becomes a demanding pet. It demands all of her time now, just taking care of it and feeding it and and, uh, and and doing everything a little dragon needs. And so she she's consumed with this, but it but it becomes more demanding as time goes on, and the dragon becomes angry, and Amanda finally realizes that her cute pet has become a demanding, deadly monster. And her life and the life of the residents of the kingdom are now in danger. And she cries out for the caretaker to come rescue her. And he appears instantly and she cries, kill it, kill it, kill it. He says, no, you kill it. And he gives her an axe. He stays close while she fights her dragon. A fierce battle ensues. And with the coaching of the caretaker, Amanda is able to slay the beast. But there's this, there's a little line at the end that I, that I appreciate, and it says, when one loves a forbidden thing, one loses what one loves most. This truth is a hard-won battle for each who finds it and is always gained by loss. So when you accept Christ... Sin is no longer master over you. But there's this, there's this parting away from sin then in our life as the Holy Spirit reveals to you certain areas of your life, areas that you just have grown to love, that you have to now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in your power, it's not just say no, it's, it's, it takes everything, but it takes the power of God to come away from And so, do not let sin rule in your life. Paul goes on to say, do not let yourselves, do not put yourself in position to be tempted. He says that in verse 13. Um, Do not allow your body as tools for sin. Verse 13, and I'll put it up here. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. Without... Thinking much about it, our bodies are actually something 
we can use as a tool, or God can use as a tool, as an instrument for good, or the devil can use as an instrument of evil. I think of a, a hammer can be used to build, or it can be used to kill. But you want that tool in the right hands. And so we must be careful not to allow our bodies to be used as the enemy's instruments. Prior to salvation, Satan used our bodies as instruments in his hands. It's interesting that that word, offer, is the word peristomy, which, uh, which literally means to stand beside. Para, you know that already from the paraclete. Para means, you know, alongside, and that stem means stand, to stand alongside. And so, are we to stand alongside sin? No. What does 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says? To flee sexual immorality. We're to flee from sin, not stand next to it. We have to be careful not to put ourselves into an area of temptation and wonder why, oh, I wonder why I stumbled. I wonder why I got caught up in this. But you put yourself right alongside. And I could speak about this for a long time, uh, just when it comes to um, the, the, the screens that we put before ourselves and, and other areas that we put ourselves in position, whether it's TV or a video or books or magazines or iPads and laptops or just hanging out in the bar or being with friends you know aren't really that good for you. Um, you are standing. You are offering yourselves as instruments to, uh, of unrighteousness. Uh, and you don't want to do that. Stop standing next to temptation. And we can do this again through the power of Jesus Christ. Secondly, and this is a, this is a good disobedience. We can disobey temptation. Look at verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? Don't you, don't you, isn't there something inside of you that you really want to be a rebel? You want to be like James Dean or whatever? There's a little James Dean in each one of us. And so this is, a, this is the one time when you can disobey and enjoy the benefits. You disobey the temptation. I ain't going there. Most of the time, the world is saying that Christians are the ones who are being controlled. And uh, have to, you, know, you have to follow all the rules in this. They paint a picture as though we are the ones on a leash, when in reality, most of the world is listening to the prince of darkness. And it's only by the power of Christ that you can come away from being on that leash, from that sin. Christians and only Christians by God's grace can say no. It's interesting after all the hype that went into all the way back to Nancy Reagan and the, and the just say no to drugs campaign. Unfortunately, as, as good as a pro program that it was, as good as a campaign it was, there are more people suffering from drug abuse today than any time in history. See, it's not just telling yourself no, it's having the power through Jesus Christ not to. Next week I want to speak about what it means to have Jesus as our master instead of sin. But I just want to bring this uh, service to a close, and I just have a couple questions before we go to the Lord's table. Has the time come for you to stop letting sin reign 
in your body. Because if you're a believer, this should be a reality. And if it's not, you you may be suffering the lack of power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Next week I'm going to talk more about that. Are you ready for a new master? Perhaps you're uh, here today or you're listening online and you have never made Jesus your master. And today would be the day of salvation for you. That you would come away from your sin and you would ask, Lord, take control of my life. I accept, Lord Jesus, what you've done on the cross for me. The one who loves you laid his life down for you. We celebrate around the Lord's table now the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ because it's by the shed blood of Christ that we now have the power over temptation, over sin, over Satan. And Jesus always wanted us to remember this. And so he has given us this wonderful opportunity to gather around his table And so we want to thank the Lord for the elements. Lord Jesus, thank you for the bread and for the cup. And right now, Lord, we just thank you for this time we have just to be caught up on this hillside in your presence and and to remember what you have done for us. Um, The beating that your body took, the blood that was shed for our sins. We are just so grateful to you, Lord because we cannot pay for our own sins no matter what. And so we, we thank you for that payment that you made. You who knew no sin became sin for us, Lord, that we might be reconciled. And we are so grateful. Thank you again for these elements, and thank you for this time with this body at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So let us partake the, the bread together.